welcome to the Chipcast. It's a very serious night tonight. It's the Dolan Warren Award. It's happening right now, actually. So we're all, we're all very dressed up, pumped for the grand final this weekend, coming off a cracking A-League All-Stars game. And I've got to say, it's been a big week in football. I've done not an ounce of preparation because what's even bigger oh. than this week in football <laughs> is the video that we're going to play at the end of the show. So it, it, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Stick around for that. The panel is rotating. It's a big panel. I've got to scroll through. We've got Lucas Ronaldo, Tom Williams, Peter Petrov, Gerald Lynch, Ollie Walker-Peel, Jacob Bryce, David Shalofsky, possibly Neil, Pat, and Michael as well, live from the bathrooms, snorty lights of coke in Sydney at the Dollar Warren Awards. First up, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, again, you'll uh, probably force us to say it ain't in, won't he? Um, but first up, I'm going to welcome the man who's spoken already, Lucas Ronaldo. How are you? Um, um, my Uber's on the way. I'm just waiting for my invite. That's why I got the tie on. I'm just about to go to the Dollar Warren Awards. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm invited, I think. So we'll be going there soon. <laughs> uh, Tom, welcome. Uh, who are you dressed as tonight? Um, I'm dressed as an Eshe, <laughs> but I think I don't know. There's any difference. <laughs> but uh, I, I think um, I would certainly blend in in the front couple rows of original style Melbourne, looking like this. So you certainly, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and for our older audience and our international audience, including our international panellists tonight, we'll introduce in a sec. Can you describe to us what an SA is, Tom? <laughs> someone, it's pretty hard to describe, to be honest. It's more like someone who says the word Dalroya and like stuff like, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like, come at me dog and, uh, and Adlai and, and, and stuff that people that go down the street trying to like hurt people and they carry like knives around and stuff. Peter Petrov, now that Tom Williams has given you his definition of an SA, do you reckon you'll be able to spot one in the wild for yourself? Yeah, definitely. I'm also waiting for an Uber. I'm going to pick up an award for the best foreign signing of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, mate. It's great to have you back. And I think uh, Tom and Lucas are going to be here for the whole show. Peter, you're only going to be here for 15 minutes around that before... The Before next the round of panellists joins in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we'll put the first questions to you. Melbourne City 2, Adelaide United 1 after extra time in the second leg of the semi-final. That was the aggregate score as well. So Melbourne City into their third grand final in the road, going for back-to-back championships. Can you tell us what did you take out of that game? Yeah, it was a good game. Definitely better than the first leg. That's for certain. Personally, I felt like... City were, they, they were very comfortable. Like, I mean, uh, they were the better team for the majority of the game and had the better chances. Kof obviously scored that fantastic goal, but I think you need a lot of work to score a goal like that. I mean, take, take nothing away from him, but yeah, that was basically that and, and uh, the chance for Yengi uh, in the first half were the best chance for Adelaide. And after the break, it was, it was all City. Berenger was obviously not fit enough to play the whole game. So when, when Tilio came and came in and Lecky moved in inside, I think the game changed absolutely in City's favor. And they, they, they were always going to score at least one or two goals. 
Lucas, uh, you've got a very unbiased perspective on this game. Can you give us your opinion, please? <laughs> Always unbiased. I, I kind of disagree. I've, I think first half I thought Adelaide were the better side. They were pushing the ball around very well. Um, I think I had something like 60% possession um, and probably had the better chances. Obviously, in the first leg, McLaren had a lot of chances. Um, but I think Adelaide fared very well. Just as soon as City got there first, you knew that, um, City were going to go through. They just started to completely take control. I think the Adelaide playing three games, games in seven days really got to them. But I think regardless of the result, you know, City flew, flew back from Adelaide in a in a uh, chartered chartered flight. Um, Adelaide, of course, a very young team. I think Adelaide can be very proud of of the season they've had. Um, I think yeah, as soon as City scored, it was almost just put it. Reds put their head down and didn't really believe they were going to get back into it. Um, but all in all, I guess City can probably say they deserve to go through. Just. Tom, your hand was up there. I'm not sure if you're doing the gang sign or asking to speak. So <laughs> <laughs> throw it either way. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get these off for a sec while I actually get into something serious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I agree with um, a lot of what was said there. I think it's also worth noting that with um, with City, there's a sense of like grindiness to the way that they're getting results now where I think you, you can say that they're like not playing as well or whatever, which is somewhat true, I think. Um, but I think one of the marks of a truly good side in any league is their ability to grind out results when the going gets tough. And I think we saw this in the Premier League a couple of years ago with with Liverpool when they when they won the, the Premier League title. They weren't particularly good every week, but they were really grinding out two ones, one nils every week. Um, sort of the Aston Villa away game comes to mind when they were protecting that undefeated streak. Um, but you look at City, ever since the Champions League, they've looked more sort of, robust in in winning these games rather than winning it through actual quality of, of football per se as they were doing before the Champions League when we saw them like wipe the floor with Wellington and stuff like that. Um, so I think that there was a sense of inevitability as the game wore on that City would go on and win it. But Adelaide put up a really good fight for the first 90 minutes. It just felt like as soon as it went, went to extra time that it would probably only go one way. And I think... Um, City, having played in the Champions League, it's obviously difficult to quantify, but um, I think that may have helped them given the amount of fatigue that they played in those ga- that they had in those games coming into this stretch of the season where they go into a 120-minute fixture. It seemed like they were much better um, suited to run out that game than Adelaide were. Obviously, that needs to be placed into the context of Adelaide bringing sort of Iren Kunda um, and a couple other youngsters, Bernardo, off the bench, whereas City were bringing on sort of battle-hardened, experienced players such as Roston Griffiths, who I thought completely changed the game when he came on at at the base of midfield next to Metcalf. So, all in all, pretty good game. Um, Ultimately, better than the first leg for sure. But I think there can be sort of no complaints about City going through into the grand final after that. Uh, Peter, was your hand up there? Yeah, I think uh, what what I wanted to say is I think City were just slightly better rested as well. They had uh, four days more 
break the Nadlet before the first game, which definitely should have helped. I think they needed that rest, and it it it, it showed in in their game and the way they played. They were physically stronger and better. I think Adelaide in the second half they they didn't have the their batteries went off. Well, a question for you, Lucas. Melbourne City obviously bankrolled by some extremely rich people. They're a very rich club. Adelaide United, they're rich in heart, rich in passion, not so rich financially. So like do you do you think Melbourne City should be beating these kind of, I guess this is just a broader point. Should Melbourne City just be wiping the floor with every team all season? Well, I, I think football's a lot less simple than that. Like, obviously, Melbourne City have by far the best team on paper. Melbourne Victory also have an incredible team on paper. So it is quite sensational that Adelaide can even compete with the amount of scholarship players we've got. Um and look, just look at City's front line. Like their team is arguably arguably better than the Socceroos team when you include their foreigners, because they've got quite a few Socceroos team uh, Socceroos players in there, and then likes of Berenguer and all of this that can really change a game. So I feel like it's a bit over the top to say they should just be wiping the floor, but Adelaide punch above their weight, and I think a lot of the Popovich is the exception, but. You can't really say, oh, Kiznorbo is a fantastic coach because it's it's a it's a situation of you don't know because he should be winning the league in, in, in with City. I think they're just such a strong team. Um, and at the end of the day, I think Adelaide just need to be proud to be able to compete with those teams. So yes and no, I guess. Tom, Adelaide, of course, they scored the first goal of the game. Did you think that they were going to go through to the grand final at any point? And when did you stop thinking that, if you did think that at all? I actually I actually did think they were going to go and win it. There was a general sense after that fantastic goal from Clough. Um, I think I tweeted at the time something about um, how in these sort of ties where it comes down to the second leg, having been um, equal after the first leg, they come down to moments. And it felt like that was going to be the moment like where something sort of happens out of out of nothing it's a moment of magic really it's it's absolutely brilliant that his first touch the way he dinks that over glover it was it was really superb to be honest um so i did think that they were going to go on and win that but then um obviously city i thought it just completely changed after that double substitution bringing tilio on for berengay um i don't think berengay was particularly bad but you could sort of tell that his match fitness wasn't there and i think that's going to be a really telling uh, decision from Kiznorba as to whoever starts between Berongay and Tilio heading into the grand final. Um, but yeah, that substitution and the, the Griffith substitution for Gamulka, which just gave that robust presence in midfield and really allowed them to get the ball up the pitch and start dominating territory more because Adelaide were pretty dominant on the ball in that first half and City were really sort of struggling in that respect. So I thought the game changed after that substitution sort of, I think in the 60th minute, um, and City, that's when they gained the ascendancy and looked like the more likely team to win, I think. We've got a comment on the Facebook page giving us all the award winners from the Dolan Warren uh, Awards that uh, just recently happened from Brenton Ray. So thanks for that, Brenton. We'll get to that a bit later on. Um, but keep keep your questions, comments coming on the Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're tuning in. But, Tom, to you again, do you think 
Tilio should start the grand final? It's a really tough one, to be honest, because I love Tilio as a player, but I think Berengue has arguably been City's best player this season. So it's such a um, it's such a tough one, in my opinion. I think if Berengue is 100% match fit and Kisnorbo trusts the fact that he's fit, he should start. But that's also because I think Tilio is actually more effective in the second half of games when the, the space between the lines starts to open up a bit and then Tilio doesn't just get swarmed with players around him. He's got more time on the ball to pick out a final pass, um, to weave in between defenders and to really, um, really generate chances from that number 10 position that he's been playing. So I would personally probably start with Berengue, but I think there's a more than valid reasoning behind starting Tilio given the form he's in, given um, just how brilliant of a player he is. I think if it if it was a, a league game or let's say two legged game like the semifinals, uh, Tilo would get the start just because his performance, like the the way he played in the last game. But the fact that it's a grand, grand final, I think, having seen Kisnorbo in the last few a few seasons, I think he'll go with his best eleven, and he certainly prefers Berenger as an as yeah. attacking midfielder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, Peter, you're only going to be here for another five minutes or so. So we might get you to kick off our <laughs> Tom's saying, But let's not distract ourselves. This is serious stuff for a, a serious podcast. Um, Peter, uh, do you want to do you want to kick off our little Adelaide season review? So how do you think they'd be uh, well reviewing their own season? Yeah, before the start of the of the season, uh, I didn't probably didn't have them in the top six at all. So I think they deserve massive credit. Wirt has done a solid job, and as we said, he he was just one step away from the grand final, which is not a bad achievement at all. Still, I feel they have some issues within the squad, but they've done really well. But I think uh, one one of their one of their issues is will they be able to keep Craig Goodwin? This year we we saw how how vital he is to their game and especially in the final third he's maybe haven't looked at the stats but I think he's probably the best creator in the league and uh, if they if they can't keep him that would be a massive problem ne- next year I think not a lot of players in Australia or even foreign players that they could afford will have the same impact. Just I don't see it, and the and the other the other problem for them I guess uh, is the is the midfield. I think Isaias and Juan they are both good players, both very experienced. But as we've seen a number of times this year, I think they they can't play together. I don't. I think in in the double pivot they that doesn't suit their game. I think they're both best role. Their best roles are as a one six as. As, as we've seen before, like their previous periods in the league. So uh, when they play in the double pivot, they just struggle a bit. They can't find the right angles for passes and to open up space. So, yeah, I think if 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 they want to challenge next year, especially without Goodwin, they have to make some changes in midfield. Can I just bump in there as well? I, I 100%... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just, just one sec. Um I 100% agree with that, and I think um, particularly with the um, the 
topic of Isaias and Juanda as a pivot, I think the, them thrive as being like they could both play in a double pivot, but they both thrive as being the deepest player in the double pivot, sort of the one that connects with the back four. Whereas you need neither of them are particularly adept at being the sort of link player in the double pivot. So the one that will position themselves between the lines when one of the sixes comes deep to receive. So someone like Connor Metcalf, for example, is really, really good at being like a connected player in that double pivot. Um, and neither of Isaias and Juande are particularly good at that. So it's why at times I think Adelaide seem a bit unbalanced and why sometimes like they're very good at keeping the ball, both of them, that's for sure. But I think you see a lot of Adelaide where it's sort of like recycled possession, um, the U-shape, stuff like that, um, because neither of them really good at spatial manipulation or taking up positions yeah. ahead of the ball. They're just they're also not not good ball carriers, which is a problem. They don't mm. have a, a particularly good ball carrier in the whole team. Maybe Kof was brought in for that reason, but I don't think he has done enough to 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 say that he deserves to start in that midfield. Hundred percent, and I think with um, with Adelaide as well, it needs to be. Uh, sorry, Harper. Got to move it on, boys. You've got two people <laughs> waiting to jump in. <laughs> Adelaide are really interesting, though. I think um, just just quickly here. I think Adelaide also deserve massive credit for the fact that they lost Halloran and Mork um, during the season, and two like really important players for that. Mork was sort of the guy that was meant to be that link player or be someone that can like have late arrivals, score goals from midfield, stuff like that. Um, so I think they deserve massive credit for being able to um, to, to sort of seamlessly replace them and, and really challenge a team that is or has been the best in the league throughout the season. There you go, Harper. You can continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lucas, I'll make this question very quick for you. Do you think Adelaide will do as well next season as they did this season? I'll make it. I'll give you a quick answer. I think we'll do better. I think we'll challenge for the title next year. I've, I think this team is so. I, I think this team has so much potential. Look how young it is, and I completely disagree with the SIEs and Juande thing because as soon as that midfield pairing started playing together, Adelaide United won every game. <laughs> if they keep Goodwin, will stay. <laughs> as soon as Isais and Juan Day started playing together, they won every game. They were losing a lot of games when it was Dorigo in midfield and they didn't have as much quality. If you get a good 10, I think that's the one thing that Adelaide lack and then start playing Irukunda a little bit more on the right. Bernardo's been sensational. I can't wait to see him start more games. Um, but United will announce a lot of re-signings in the next couple of weeks once the Ross Peligra move is finalised, uh, takeover is finalised. Um, calling it now. I think there are a couple of players away from challenging. I think the the part with with Juan de Nicias says more about the about the league and the level of the opposition, not about them as players. I think. But, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, what, I, I didn't clarify that point. What I meant, I think they're both on paper. They're not as good sitting in between, but they sort of change the style. And rather than dropping in between the centre backs, they drop in between the full backs, which I think allowed Adelaide to be very de- solid defensively despite not having a good back line. Um, yeah, I think so, he, changed, he changed it a bit in like in the middle of the season. Yeah, you were right about that one. Well, Tom has labelled Lucas's uh, little point there, a hashtag big call. Uh, so, Peter, are you going to give us a hashtag big call for the grand final? What do you think is going to happen and why do you think it's going to happen just before we let you go? Oof. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say it would be a big call. I mean... 
to be fair, I don't expect any surprises in terms of tactics on Saturday. Both teams will most likely play with their typical 4-3-3s. Both very different, of course, but I expect City to dominate possession and Western United to just basically play on the transition like they did against Victory. They were very dangerous in the second game, so I think they approached this game in a similar, similar way. Uh, yeah, people people talk a lot about Priovic when it comes to, to Western United, and rightly so, he's been fantastic for them for like throughout the whole season. And I think City should definitely try to isolate him. Uh, if he if do, they do give him space, they, he'll definitely punish him. And Reich and Guta are both excellent proactive defenders, but physically they aren't as strong as Priorich. And if they let Western create chances for him, they'll struggle. I think I'll, I'll say I just fancy City slightly just because I think uh, Western United have a lot of injured players, like top of Stanley Lustig. I'm not sure if he he'll be playing. Diamante is definitely a big miss. I think the quality of City will will just be a bit too much for Western United. That's that's my prediction. Quick score prediction, Peter. One nil. One nil Melbourne City. Okay, now just before we let you go, one final thing, mate. Of course, you've been on a few episodes throughout the season. This is the last episode that I'm hosting for this season. So, Peter, have you got a podcast moment of the season? Something you've really enjoyed? It has to be the song, of course. Has to be the song. The the song was exceptional. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and specifically specifically the part with Shannon when with where he just switches the photos that's that's my top moment of the podcast. Has to be it. That was very good, mate. And it's been an absolute joy having you on all the episodes uh, throughout this season. So thanks very much, mate. I think you've got Nuba to catch to quickly get to the goal. <laughs> so, thanks for having me, on, mate. I, th- I think so. For my award. now as we let peter go we've got a couple guests joining us in one sec but very quickly tom a question for you from alan riley milicic for manager of the year yes or no (laughs) ante milicic you will never see the light of day my friend (laughs) (laughs) okay let's get out well, just before you go on that, oh, yeah, just okay, go, go for it. Um, just, uh, I'm just reading Brenton Ray's comment, which we will get to the rest of the awards, but just considering we've had a mention of Milicic, um, the Fugazi of the year um, has gone to uh, Tony Popovich. Oh, sorry, coach of the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, Lucas. Very good. Now we'll add our two new panelists to the uh, to the show. So first up, Oliver Walker Peel. Thank you very much for joining us, Matt. How are you going? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm liking your sunnies. And what, what's Tom said there? <laughs> for the podcast, he says LA Tikes oh. and what, what's the other bit? LA Barnsley. <laughs> About Barnsley, he's a waffle merchant, this Tom Williams, I tell you. And and a Fugazi merchant, to be honest. But I I just want to say, I don't have a whiteboard in front of me, um, but I just want to say, hashtag justice for Harper Pestinger. That'd be nice because Tom's been over him with his Milicic propaganda and whatever it was that he was preaching. So, So justice for Harper, I reckon. 
<laughs> well, justice for Gerald Lynch as well, because he's been waiting in the uh, little waiting room here for about 20 minutes because of Tom's waffle. So I'll add him now. <laughs> Gerald, first time on the show, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. I, I just came in early, like you said. Like I was just here watching the show, but I did feel like yeah, it dragged a little bit. Towards the end, Gerald, is there anyone in particular you'd like to call out? No, I think it speaks for itself, really. To be honest, Harper, you told me to put on a Hawaiian shirt, and I've come in, and I pretty much feel like I'm the only one dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> That's incorrect. I'm dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> We've got three sunglass wearers here. No, fair enough. And if you, if you don't call that dressed up for the occasion, if you don't call a Mallon shirt with the red hoodie dressed up for the occasion. Oh, I didn't really notice the, the Mallon Backwards cap, the the chain on the outside, it's a good look. It's all but happening. Anyway, Gerald, you're a very, very high-profile Western United fan. Uh, it's a big can list you tell us very briefly from, how, how you how you got into the mighty Western United and supporting them? Um, it's pretty simple, really. I suppose interest for me in the A League had dropped right off after 2018. I don't know, like after Victory won that um, title, I just didn't really watch it the next season. And then one day saw the the ad pop up for the Western Melbourne group and didn't really think much of it because it just seemed like such a ridiculous like thing that you know. Wyndham would have its own A-League club. And the next thing you know, six months down the line, they were in the final six. And then obviously they got the team. And so I had a pretty tough decision in front of me. It's like, do I stick with victory? Which I, I honestly, I only just loosely followed. Like I think it gets blown out of proportion of how invested I was just because of a couple of tweets. But um, I decided to jump on um, and start attending games, which um, obviously going to Geelong is further than Melbourne for me. But it was just about, you know, a sense of community and um, I think I made a pretty good choice. You know, I think some of the people I met and just in general, I think the closeness of that club, like from the inside of like the players talking to us, I think the CEO follows me on Instagram. Like it's, it's not something that I've seen before. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> the amount of subtle flexes in that was it was almost reminiscent of the dangler. It was that subtle. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was indeed. Um but uh Gerald, of course you were at the uh, Western United Victory semi final. Um Ollie, were you there at the second league? I wasn't. I was calling in the afternoon, so I, I only caught like the last bit of it because I was on the way back from I think it was Burr when I was I was commentating in. So yeah, I was on the way back and then switched last, you know, five minutes on and saw Wenzel Holes slot it. Um that was about all I saw. So I've not really I didn't really watch much of the game. I feel it seems as though I missed out on a lot. But um obviously West United too good in the end and obviously in the Gerald Lynch Derby, you know obviously West United too good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, uh, your your takeout from the game? Obviously, like, hard for me to watch a lot of the game from, from you know, row four and, and everything. But I thought um, I was pretty nervous going in because I sort of thought, like, that crowd's going to be huge. And it was. Like, the victory active was absolutely ridiculous. And um, I didn't know how our guys would handle it because I think in the past it's overwhelmed them a little bit like we've – when we conceded on Boxing Day, two goals in the space of 30 seconds. Like, I just feel like when they're not used to playing, as stupid as it sounds, they're not used to playing in front of a, a loud crowd. So when it happens, um, they get overwhelmed by the occasion of it. But I thought they handled it really well. Obviously, they scored early. Um, when Victor got that free kick, I think we all knew it was going in. Like, they had, <laughs> they had Brimmer on one side, Davidson on the other. It was like, 
Either way, this is top bins. And um, yeah, fair credit to, to Brimmer. But after that, I think we just took control again. We saw it out till half time and then second half just ran over the top. Um, full credit to Kilkenny. He's bossing in that midfield, but there's no Crin, there's no Lustica. He's dealing with Jerry Skatatis, who, you know, not to be disrespectful, isn't you wouldn't expect him to be in a grand final starting midfield. And um Kilkenny, I think he had 55 completed passes on the weekend when it's 75% tackle accuracy. He's doing everything as like that sort of number six. And he's also creating and he's our free kick taker, our corner taker. Um, but what surprised me the most was we only made well, two subs. So Lusky came on with about half an hour to go and then he had to come off again. And then we brought on Bozanovsky. But, you know, these guys play three games in seven or eight days and are able to run it out, which is pretty admirable. It sort of happens because we've got um, Diamante, Crin, Topless Stanley, Bayou all out. So the bench is looking pretty depleted. Like Noah Botic, <clears throat> I don't think he stepped on the pitch. Milanovic, Pierre has played 100 minutes each this season. So I think the starting 11 is doing um, a, a pretty uh, mental job at the moment of, of yeah winning games, considering how depleted the squad is overall. Tom, were you at the game? Um. No, it was actually one of the only victory games I've missed all season. To be fair, I was um <laughs> to, to be fair, I have been absolutely smashed recently coaching this year seven B footy team. Um and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it was it was mental, mate. It was mental that morning. Hundred and ten point victory against the other B team at our school. So maybe you can take over from Popovich after he's bottled it again. I'll lay Mr. Williams as the coach, <laughs> ultimate coach of the century right here. Had, had them playing the, the speaker on after the game. The, the 12-year-olds were absolutely buzzing and loving it. And I was just absolutely tired off my chops by the end of the game. So I just had I just decided watching it from home would be would be the best uh, the best bet for me, Harper. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, Gerald and Tom's respective heads are taken up just about the whole screen. So I'm going to let someone else talk. Lucas, <laughs> what did you make of the, the two legs of Melbourne victory versus Western United, that semi-final that where, of course, Western United progressed to the grand final? Um, there's no other way to put it. I think victory completely choked. Gerald talked about if uh, Western United could handle on the big stage, victory just seemed to whooped under pressure then and then once it went to 2-1 um, victory never looked like they were going to score they never looked like they were going to break through um, yeah I think it's really worrying because they've been all season they haven't quite hit what I think they're capable uh, capable of with their team even in this run they've never really torn apart teams which you would expect from a as we've spoken about from a Popovich team um, and I just thought they were going to be able to sort of go through teams sort of just break them down eventually, but they just never really never really look like scoring. So um, it, it's sad for the league because I think everyone secretly wanted a Melbourne Derby final or a <laughs> final involving Melbourne for the, for the sake of the league more than anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Popper couldn't provide it. Now, Ollie, of course. Oh, Tom, your hands up quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, just quickly. I think of course. it's true. It's it's true to some extent that victory um victory bottled it, but I think you have to really give credit to to Western and the way that they played on the day. I thought they were 
like their, their principles remained clear to what we've seen throughout the season, but they just executed it a lot better than I think we've seen. And I think Pljovic was like, that was the best game he's played all season by far. Like it was quite literally unstoppable, like completely destroyed Spiranovic who just did not even look like he should have been on the field. Like I'm so surprised that Hamill uh, one either didn't start or two didn't come on earlier for, for um, Spira. But um, I think, um, yeah, credit must be given to like the closeness of this Western United group as well. You, you feel that like they just know each other really well. Um, like th- th- there seems to be this like dare I say je ne sais quoi about the team <laughs> where they um, he says all the time <laughs> where, where where they just <laughs> where they just manage to, to to pull through. Um, and I, I actually um I know Connor Payne's dad. He works at the same um like works at the same place as me. So I talk to him quite often and it's something that he says quite a lot. Massive shout out to, to Craig. If he's one of the, the two listeners tuning in right now. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, you really get that sense that Western United are a close group. And I really hope that they, um, they give it a good crack on the weekend because they were, they were deserving winners against victory ultimately. Ollie, victory, uh, they've obviously improved a lot compared to last season, but they would have definitely been hoping to get to a grand final, wouldn't they? You're a supporter of the Melbourne victory, of course. So uh, how do you think they'll be reviewing their season as a whole now that it's come to an end? When you say I'm, when you say I'm a supporter of victory, like it was one of those where I just picked a team when I first moved over here. And like, You've got to have I'm a not, team. You've got to have a team. I'm no ultra. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, I... And this might sound harsh to, to victory fans. I would care more for the success of, Alien, of, of Australian football than the success of, of victory, right? But that said, I, I, I gravitate towards victory more than any other team because I don't want to then pick a team and then switch because I'm not fickle. Anyway, you're a plastic, Mr. Lynch. You're a plastic. No. Um, <laughs> No, um, look, Victory have improved a lot. They have. They've moved on from the um, the the Brebner era. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it that because that's effectively what, what era it was. It was. <laughs> uh, it was but, and it got to a point. It got to a point where they had to improve. Um, and obviously, they couldn't go the final step. Obviously, I was there um, on the on the FFA Cup final night, as it was called then, and you could just see that. I think that was the night that truly cemented it for me that victory, you know, sort of had the connection with the fans back, um, you know, and they, they saw that again, obviously, at the weekend. Um, but I think this could be a watershed moment for Weston, to be honest. Um, obviously, you'd like to think that if Weston get the job done at the weekend, we may well, you know, be on the way. We wouldn't be there yet, but we'd be on the way to seeing a third powerhouse in Melbourne. And, I, I, and like I say, I care nothing more. I, I want nothing more, rather than to see football succeed in this country. We've got victory with a huge supporter base. Right? That's you know out of the question. Victory, massive fans. Melbourne City have got a fair fan base behind them as well. And Western United have got the chance to build that. They've only been in the league a couple of years, so you can you can sort of see why they haven't got the numbers that, that Melbourne Victory maybe have. Um, obviously, they don't have a permanent stadium, but I feel like if they can win the grand final at the weekend, I feel like we may well be seeing a third powerhouse on the way. Um and it's it's unlucky for victory that they couldn't get the job done. But West United were were much better in the second leg. 
Um, it'd be interesting to see how the grand final goes there now without victory there. City and West United should be a decent game. Sorry, if I just butt in there for a second again. Um, that's a, that's a really, in all seriousness, by the way, like I know I've been taking the piss of it today, but um, <laughs> like being one, 100% legit here, I think there is a, um, you mentioned the sort of idea that there's going to be these three powerhouse teams in Melbourne. And I have to agree there. I think presuming the whole um, mega project to, uh, with respect to Western United actually um, actually eventuates, there's a, um, a semblance inside of me and in the minds of other Melbourne Victory fans, I think, that, um, that Western United will be seen as a big arrival to Melbourne Victory. Um, if, if that were to occur, mainly not only because of the specific geographical divide that exists between the two sides, but also you get the feeling that in the clashes between the sides, there have been sort of seminal moments where Western United have like taken it to victory. And I think games like the ones last weekend have the opportunity to actually like build a rivalry between the two sides. You look at what like the, the grand final between Adelaide and victory did for that rivalry. Um, uh, you look at sort of other games between Western United and Victory. Like I think in Western United's first season, I feel like they might have won all three games against Victory. Um, so, like th- there's this growing rivalry that I think has the potential to really blossom in the next couple of years. And I think um, obviously, if Western United win, they should be able to grow a larger fan base, which would be great for the league. So I think um, I, I certainly agree on that. Although the uh, the scenes that would uh, that would be great if Yoshi were to lift the cup or the toilet seat, I should say, for Melbourne City would be um, would be absolutely phenomenal. So um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm supporting anyone for the weekend, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting football. Football will be the true winner on the weekend, won't it? Uh, Tom, I should just let you know that you're showing people whiteboards, but zero people right now are tuning into the video. So everyone <laughs> hearing this is going to be having an audio version of it. They've got no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> probably for the, the, wi- the whiteboard. Yeah, the whiteboard is Tom Williams' only personality trait. <laughs> that is my <laughs> it's it's by far the best ten dollar purchase I've made in twenty twenty two and I'm wanting to get my money's worth. So <laughs> <laughs> well, Gerald, uh, as our resident West United expert, do you want to give your thoughts on the matter very quickly? Because we have to welcome our uh, next panelist quite soon. On the grand final? No, no, on the West United being that potential to be a bit of a super club. Yeah, well, I think obviously um, the difference automatically is I know City are talking about building a stadium, but if we do have the stadium in Wyndham, it gives victory fans, City fans, a proper away day within their own state, which is, I think, would automatically give them more reason to sort of care about that game a bit more than, you know, like City fans talk about like Western play at Amy Park, so how is it a rivalry? But like City doesn't have any real distinct difference to, to, to victory either, I feel, other than just being that second team in Melbourne that they needed to add in. So I think what Western has is an actual real point of difference, like a physical point of difference. So once everything is eventuated and, and built, I think, yeah, for sure, um, they'll be the second biggest team. I don't think anyone will ever get past victory in terms of members and that sort of thing. But I think um, we're on track to within probably, I don't know, f- four or five years to be that second second biggest team. Uh, now, as we uh, about to say goodbye to Ollie and Gerald, but first, we've got to get your grand final predictions, of course. Ollie, uh, firstly, you're going to be there. Secondly, what's going to happen and why? <laughs> Sadly not. Um, I'm going to put a cheeky plug in. Um, not that, you know, I think a lot of eyes will be on the A-League men's grand final and 
fair enough. But if you're not deciding to watch it, or if you've got multiple screens, this should be the approach you take. I've got uh, Daniel Thunder and Heidelberg comms in NPL Men's Victoria, so I'll be there at George Andrews instead of watching the A-League Men's Grand Final. So get a couple of screens up if you do fancy it. Have, have the uh, Thunder game on one and have the A-League Men's Grand Final on the other. What more could you want? Um, I'll try and catch like maybe the, the final half hour in that sense, um, plus any extra time if needed. I think Melbourne City will have enough. Although I'm hoping for, a, I'm hoping for a decent game. Hopefully it's not one-sided. Hopefully it's not like a Archie Thompson scoring five kind of thing. I hope it goes right down to the wire. Um, sorry, Lucas, that might bring back. I'm sorry, um, but, but you, you see my point. Um, I hope it's a it's decent fine, game. I, I think it will be. <laughs> 2-1 after extra time to Melbourne City. That's my prediction. Gerald, uh, no doubt you'll be tuning into the Dandenong Thunder game as you uh, are in the front row of the Western Service crew live Channel at Abbey Park. What do you think um, is going to happen in that group? Just on that, but before I give my prediction, I think it's a little bit um, disappointing that there is NPL football on mm. on the same night. I know obviously now it's sort of like a divide between the APL and fo- Football Australia, but like it's... It's almost a little bit petty for Football Australia to like not let all these people who probably do go for City or Western or Victory or whatever to have the chance to watch this game and sort of have to choose between their own football and the top flight. It just feels like something that could have definitely been avoided because we've known the grand final date for, for months now. But um, my predictions, obviously, um, I think, you know, Western have played 40% possession in all three finals and it hasn't really been a problem. It's been sort of our theme all season, you know, sit back, let the other team attack, back in those defenders that we have because I think we do have the best back four in the league and the best goalkeeper and then go forward and and create a bit of magic. I think we'll score early. I think we'll hold them out for the rest of the game and I think we could get another one um, when City really throwing everything at us towards the end. So I'm going to say 2-0. Pressure is on Jamie McLaren because obviously he's got zero rings to his name still and this is his opportunity. I think it's on him. It's on Leckie, on big coin at this club. Um, both had good seasons, of course, but it really means nothing if they can't turn up. So there's a lot at stake for both sides, but I'll I'll back in my boys, obviously. 2-0. Gerald, good luck. Uh, good luck for Saturday. And thank you very thank much you for much. coming on the podcast, mate. Pod debut. Always a pleasure. Lads. Sweet. Uh, yeah, should do it again sometime. It's been good. Appreciate Cheers. it, mate. Can I just yeah, say... Cheers, Gerald. Uh, and, too, uh, late. too late. I'll, he'll, he'll hear it later. I was just going to tell him. Oh, he'll hear it now. He's in the. He's still in the waiting room. Do you want to say it? I'll add him back. Uh, I was just, yeah. I was just <laughs> going to say. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's. I was just going to say. It's great to finally meet you because Harper's been going on and on. First time I met Harper, went on for about ten minutes. Jared Lynch is in my uh, uni course. And I was like, yeah, cool. And he's like, oh, can I just say? And I was like, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I genuinely recognized Harper's voice, and I like, and I was like, I've heard this voice before. Next thing I know, I, I look at the kit cast thing, and it's like Harper. I was like, oh, there you go. Like, yeah, it was, it's interesting. It has got to be one of the worst uni classes as well. I, I might not, it's <laughs> oh, mate. the easiest class oh. we've ever taken, but I don't, I don't know how you can say that when you've been about three of them, but. You're right. Exactly. Anyway, thank you, lads. But anyway, you mate, it's, show, it's good to have celebrities uh, cross paths in public. So, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we'll catch you, you soon. Cheers, mate. And Ollie, uh, same to you. Cheers for coming on, mate. I think it's the first time we've been on a podcast together. So it's been good, mate. Thanks. Well, yeah, quite possibly. Uh, my pleasure, obviously. Um, 
hopefully it's a good weekend for, for all involved with Australian football. I think it's been a good one last night with obviously early goal stars and hopefully it continues. So uh, cheers for having me on. Good luck for the rest of the pod. I like Barnsley all later today, mate. I like Barnsley indeed. Cheers, mate. We'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we welcome our two uh, next two panellists, the guy who's been in the waiting room for a fair while, thank you very much for sticking around. David Shlovsky, how are you going? Hey, Harper. Hey, boys. Yeah, going well, thanks. Yourself? We're very, very good. Also here, uh, joining the panel now, adding him to the stream, is Jacob Bryce with a very nice-looking hat. <laughs> how, how are you, mate? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I saw everyone was um, dressed up at the start, so I just grabbed a couple of hats that were on my desk and, you know, thought I'd try and fit in a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, you're absolutely fitting in uh, uh, with us motley crew over here. But um, I reckon with you guys, we'll just chat All-Stars and we'll have a bit of grand final chat after, but we'll kick things off with the All-Stars game that, of course, happened last night, Wednesday night. Um, well, J- uh, David, you weren't there, but uh, can you give us your takeouts from the game? It was a bit controversial before it happened, but I think it was quite well received after the fact. Yeah, I think I was probably pleasantly surprised with how it turned out. Um, the crowd number was very large, obviously. And the All-Stars gave Barcelona a pretty good game, which is good to see. Um, I think we'll get into a bit later sort of the the context of the game, which I'm not a huge fan of, to put it sort of mildly. Um, but overall, I think last night was a good occasion. Yeah, overall. Jacob? Um, yeah, the... The quality of the A-League All-Stars up against Barcelona surprised me. Like, it opened my eyes a lot. Um, obviously, you know, Barcelona weren't, you know, just off the back of the league, 60 hours after their last game. Obviously, weren't playing to their best, but still the quality that um, the A-League players showed, especially individually. Individually, Like I was um, like O'Shea and Ciceros in the midfield were just, I reckon they were brilliant, you know, potential link-up, you never know. But, um, yeah, I was... Um, you know, it made, made me feel proud of the local league. Tom, you're lurking in the shadows there, just like a, a typical SA. Um, so you, but you, you, of course, <laughs> you, of course, did watch the game. Uh, what, what did you make of it, just to kick things off? Um, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought um, such a good game to, to, to watch and to see over sort of 70,000 people actually tune in for Australian football again. I thought it was a fantastic spectacle. I think it was also the the highest post-COVID crowd in Sydney by quite a substantial amount. So everything to do with that was was phenomenal. And, and for the game itself, I thought the All-Stars put in such a good showing of themselves, played with real confidence, real, um, real attacking verve and an intent to score goals with the ball. So... Um, Really, really impressive. I thought on all parts, and I have nothing really, um, really bad to say about the, the, the spectacle at all. And I think, to be honest, there's there's a real argument that after this game, having the A League actually in the um, in in the mainstream voices and on on getting a big crowd, sort of everyone knowing about it, there's actually sort of beneficial flow on effects for the grand final this weekend as a result. So I think. Um, I, I think it was fantastic in 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 every sense, and I um I, I really think it was it was really good to see that, that Australian football getting that attention once again. 
Lucas, in the kick cast, uh, the, like the kick three sixty chat on Slack, you were getting very, very excited after Garan Qualls run through the middle of the park. Was there anything else that excited you during those ninety minutes? Well, yeah, that would have been unbelievable if he ended up scoring that. Um, I think we've sort of cracked the code in terms of how to do these All Stars games. Don't worry about actually making it the All Stars; just make it young kids that potentially can get scouted. I can't believe the A-Leagues, they might have put it somewhere. It took until the 85th minute for Robbie Thompson to mention that Dwight York got scouted in one of these games. That should have been the whole storyline of the game. That If you're like, as someone that works in the media, that is a storyline. Oh, who's going to get picked up? We 100% would have run that if I knew that that was a thing without researching. The A-League should have put that everywhere that, oh, Dwight York got picked out when Aston Villa toured Trinidad and Tobago. Um to be honest, if you spoke to me during the first half of last night's game, I would have given an all-time rant about how gross I think those games are. But I think they're unnecessarily evil, to be honest, because 70,000 people is the seventh biggest crowd at a sporting event since COVID. Um, you can't complain about that. I had about five, six people come up to me at work today saying, oh, what do you think of the game that don't really know anything about football? Um so I think you have to take your hat off to getting people involved. I can't wrap my head around why the hell someone would rather watch that than go to their local team. But it boggles my mind. And all those grown adults asking for people's shirts, I hope I, I, I'd hope they had a miserable journey home. <laughs> all those people going, oh, I want a Bamiyang shirt. I don't understand. Just go to your local football. That's football. That's not seeing Barcelona play in front of 70,000 people in Australia. Barcelona, to me, the players and the club and the shirt is 5% of it. That's not actual Barcelona to me. Um, But, yeah, and one thing, because I know we'll talk about Kowal, um, there's been some talk today about him leaving the club or having some European interest, which is great, but I think it's too soon. I was doing some research today um, about A-League products that have got more than 25 caps so pure A-League products that have got more than 25 caps in the Socceroos. Um, those are Robbie Cruz, Matt Ryan, Matt Leckie, Tom Rogic, Sainsbury, Aziz Beach, Awama Bill. All of them um, stayed for at least two seasons to three seasons. So I think he needs to break in for another season. But uh, all in all, I think we've cracked the code for how these games should work in the future. Jacob, Lucas calls these kind of games a, a necessary evil. Do you agree with that sentiment? 100%, especially after last night. You know, you had um, – was the average attendance of the league this year was, you know, around 5,000 or 6,000. Um, and then you get 70,000 people arrive to, you know, basically an exhibition match against just a team put together, you know. It wasn't necessarily the all-stars. It was just, you know, the, the um, still the top-level um, plays in the A-League versus a Barcelona team that just, you know, just come for a holiday. Playing playing the game is a is a perk basically, but I think necessary evil is probably the most um, appropriate term. Um, you know, especially if they're drawing crowds of seventy thousand people annually. If we can do that on a regular basis, and you know, get those um, get those European watchers in Australia, you know, more interested into the A League, and you know, they could find a um, they're watching though they could find a cult hero that they like, like Garin Kual or um, even you know Cesira as he played he done a couple um couple of people quite well um you know just finding that cult hero and supporting that team or even you know 
just going around after the game talking to your local, you know, your A-League friends and saying, oh, do you want to come along to a match or or whatever? And, you know, then getting involved, you know, especially I think active support will have a massive, massive role in that, especially with a lot of the English fans and their, you know, the atmosphere and whatnot I think is a massive part. The atmosphere is why a lot of people don't um, don't support the A-League and it's just a matter of getting the people that like the All-Stars game, um, just getting them to A-League games and getting them involved, you know, a nice community feel to it. I think, um, yeah, a necessary evil is a perfect way to put it. Well, none of us were at the game, but... David, just from the TV broadcast and the general media publicity around it, were you satisfied with how they kind of tied in the A-League and promotion of that into this friendly? Um, I think they, they could have done better, to be honest. They didn't, from what I saw in the broadcast, they didn't mention the grand final that often. Um, but I think it's sort of besides the point because realistically, how many people are going to watch the grand final who are either watching the broadcast last night or at the game? I can put it to you guys. I mean, what do you think? Like, I don't think that proportion of people is very high. Um, and that's sort of. I think. Um, sorry, if I just if I just answer yeah. that, um, I think there's um, there's arguably not that many people that would um, that would have had that sort of overlap between watching the um, the All Stars last night and and watching the Grand Final. But I think there's there's potential. Having um, or having that audience there watching that game, ha- had they known that the grand final was going to be on free to air television on, on on Saturday night, and had they known that uh, after watching the likes of Garan Quoll and watching the A League All Stars really take it to Barcelona, I think there's a, a higher likelihood that they would be more inclined to, to 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 hashtag give it a shot on on Saturday night, um, and actually give the A League a chance and and watch it on free to air telly. So um. I think there's there's that that has to be said as well. Yeah, I think for me, yeah. we have to... Sorry, uh, Harper. Oh, continue, off. David. Sorry. Um, I think if it's possible, we need to ascertain out of that crowd, who is who's a potential A-League fan going forward and who are we never going to convert? And in the latter category, I'm sure there's plenty of people, um, people who, like Lucas was saying, grown men babbling over Bamiyang, a bit embarrassing. Um, oh, but... Who, but out of that crowd, who who are the people we can potentially convert? And of those people, how do we go about that? And I'm no marketing whiz. I don't have, you know, all these strategies lined up to convert them into A League fans. But I think, as a game, that's what the APL needs to look at, because there's seventy thousand people last night who watched a football game. We're talking about the same sport, eleven aside, the same size field. Like the parameters aren't that different. And this wasn't Barca, the golden era Barca, and they're not playing for points. So I think there is a chance for us to convert new fans. It's just I don't know how to do that, to be honest. It's probably for greater minds than my, than my own. But it'd be great to see us convert 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 of those people into full-time A-League fans. I disagree. I think um, I think every one of those people is convertible because they like football. I think it's just a matter of – and you can't just think of it as they're the people that are there. They all have families that probably like football. Most people that like football are from football families. Um, so it's a just a matter of getting all of those people to not make – I think at times going to A-League games is almost like a – not a dirty word, but like it's, it's not a cool thing to do. People – all those people there, there's no Barca fans in Australia. It's not like it's a Juventus or a Liverpool or Manchester United or – 
or an, another big club that's got a big fan base here. There's no Barca fans in Adelaide, in Australia um, or very few. People were going there just to say, I went and saw Barcelona last night and those people are a bit gross. But also I, th- I think um, they're definitely convertible because they, they like football. We need to just make it cool, which it w- almost was getting to a point in 2013-14, cool to go to football again. And I think the things that are going to do that are things like um, – the Mariners did this year where you could bring as many mates as you like. Every club should be doing that at one point next season. I think that's an outstanding idea. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, they're all convertible. It's just a matter of finding the difficult way to get to make that happen. Uh, Lucas, uh, just quickly on the point you made there, you said all the people there like football. I've got no doubt most of them like football, but do you reckon some people there just like events and just got dragged along and they just to see these, this big name club, yeah, that, that's probably true. But they're still they're still not against it enough to not go to a football game. Yeah, all the people in the first half, anyone that was booing the A League All Stars, who I just don't understand. Are you supporting Voldemort when you watch Harry Potter? How can you watch? <laughs> how can you watch that game and go? Oh, you know who I want to win. That really rich club sponsored by Qatar Airways with the richest footballers in the world, mercenaries like Aubameyang. Sorry, I'm a Spurs fan. But against all these young kids who are from the country you're from, how on earth can you think that you're going to boo them when they've got the ball? And I was so glad to see that turn around because we should be come, letting them come here. And sure, there should be some support for these big clubs, but we should also be saying, yeah, we want to beat you. We want to show you. Like Real Madrid play a Champions League final in three days. But now embarrassing it would have been for uh, Barcelona. Three days before their biggest rivals play a Champions League final, they lost to bloody Reno Piscopo and Adama Traore. Like that that would have been a, a moment that would have gone around the world. Even I was laughing looking at Barcelona's social media and seeing a few, uh, a few <laughs> of Australian football's finest Twitter trolls just taking the absolute piss out of them <laughs> and, and just having them on strings for these passionate Barca fans, not realising that we're taking the piss as we're saying that they're a Tim Pot club. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, all in all is a successful time. Very quickly, I think we might just have to divert from the uh, A-League All-Stars chat just for a sec because Neil Simons has said in the chat, Straight I'm from the bathroom. <laughs> I, have, I have minimal time. These are the Dollar Board Awards. Uh, Neil, can you tell us what has happened at the Dollar Board Awards? <laughs> well, you know what, mate? It was actually so awkward because, like, the embargo was at 8 p.m. for the for the awards. Um, and, like, everyone, like, in there, I'm, I'm assuming some of them knew, some of them didn't. But, like, the awards were still ongoing when, like, the actual players were, like, coming out and shit. So, like... Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It Neil, was did you just say the S H I T word? Are you going to edit know, that mate. out yourself? I don't know, but you know, I must say, I must <laughs> yeah. say kudos to the APL. They've absolutely smashed it out of the park this year. Um, there was a well, well, very well run awards night. Um, really good fun. Uh, in fact, every player that came to the awards night came in an Isuzu Ute. So sticking to true form. Um, <laughs> in fact, I, I could see Milos Ninkovic and his, and his son here, but. Um, uh, I'll just uh, show you guys the... Get an interview, a Vox Pub interview, yeah. Neil. <laughs> no, so live on the cast exclusive. The wonderful thing here, um, I've got no exclusives for you. All I can say is that I just can't say much. Um, it is honestly an honour to be here. Um, and I want to thank I want to thank the APL for 
the invitation. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good vibe, man. All players vibing, good vibes. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just... Mate, we've got you there for a job. You're doing the Brendan Favola. Who's the most pissed? <laughs> I cannot, I cannot, no one, to be honest. I think, um, in fact, uh, actually, nah, I mean, nah, I mean, like, everyone's here, like, Carl Viet's here, all the players are here, like, um, I don't know why I think singled, I don't know why I singled out Carl Viet, but, yeah, um, Carl. Uh, everyone's here, everyone's having a good time, um, you know, we, obviously the award just finished now, so now we're just in a, you know, a section where, we're, you know, there's like, you know, drinks and, you know, food and whatnot, it's great, I'm loving it, um, yeah, any questions, boys? How, wait, Neil, can I just ask you how much more time you have? Uh, I'd say five minutes. Okay, five minutes. Well, we haven't revealed on the show yet who's won each award. So uh, do, you, do you want to tell us? And uh, I'm not putting yeah, so the Yeah, so the, the PSA Young Player of the Award. Okay, well, yeah, Brandon Ray has given us all <laughs> the What a guy, yes. man. Like, you, know, you can see it right for yourself, <laughs> man. Like, much the screen. I'm taking there. it down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, Denis Jandro and uh, Mary Fallon won PFA Young Player of the Year, Rogic and Sam Kerr won PFA uh, Men's and Women's Player of the Year, um, Jake Brimmer won do- the Dolan, uh, sorry, he won the Johnny Warren, uh, Fiona Wirtz won the G- uh, Julie Dolan, um, uh, who who won Young Player of the Year? Oh, An- Angus Thurgate uh, won Young Player of the Year, um, Mark Birgitte won Goalkeeper of the Year, uh, and Casey Dumont for the Women's. Trying to think who else. Um, oh, Popo Popovich won the coach of the year. In fact, like it was Richie really funny Goli. when he went on stage and he was just catch, like cracking jokes about the Western United and Melbourne City grand final and stuff. Like Tara Russian asking like, "What do you what do you think about the grand final? Like who, who do you think's gonna win?" He's like, "I don't really care." So um, that was um, that was quite funny <laughs> from Popper. But uh, yeah, no, good vibes, man. Good vibes. Do you think Brim is a deserved winner? No. I, I, I just don't. I, mean, I just don't think so. Like, like, yeah, it's a voting system. I can understand it, but like, Jake Brimmer was not the best A League men's player this season. It's just, it just wasn't. Who would you give? I, who I think was? Craig Craig Goodwin. But I, I think you know, yeah, is 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 um, is Brimmer top five? Absolutely, he's had a phenomenal season under Popovich. I think he's had a great campaign. Has done everything he needs to be doing. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this is this is a results based business, and Victory have done really well this season. And um, based upon that, um, you know, he, he, he does, you know, deserve it in, in the eyes of the voters. But look, I, I don't control these things. Uh, uh, another question for you, But at the same Neil. time, Victor have done well, but Adelaide also got to a semi-final and he was by far our best player. Look, I, I actually, <laughs> I've actually had a look at the final counts and stuff. But Brimmer was actually leading basically for all the segments in which we stopped to, to sort of look at the table and stuff in terms of the award winners and what have you. So... To, to me, that was, you know, very interesting. Um, but uh, actually, James Johnson's about to walk past. So I'm just going to probably move away a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, chance to get the Johnson, biggest like, exclusive like, of your life. I can't. The kid car says hi, James. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, get James, we'll get James on for an exclusive interview very soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good vibes, man. Uh, it's It's a great... Facility in which uh, we've had the Golden uh, Warren Awards. Uh, wait, any more questions, boys? <laughs> what are the so toilets quickly, like? Where was it? <laughs> it's at Carriage Works in uh, Central Sydney. I'm pretty sure. I don't live in this place. It's weird and it's scary. Um, yeah, yeah. But also, yeah, I got a photo course. with Archie Thompson um, as well. Like you can see it on the Channel Ten TikTok. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, like, did he flip you if off? You send that to me. I'll put no, it on the screen. No, Archie did not flip me off again. So um, that that's did that's you ask how his paella was? Sorry, <laughs> did you ask how his paella was? <laughs> what, Jacob? I, I can't hear what you're saying. Did you not say last night? What? He's what happened? You weren't tuning in last night. The paella, mate. I, I even counted was, the amount of grand final promo there was. He was he was he was eating his paella before the game. Oh, paella! Was, yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. No, no, he's not eating paella tonight. Um, I can't confirm, but uh, you know what? He's having a good time, man. You know what can I say? <laughs> what was the food? What was the meal? I I I think that is. Um, I'm not sure if I'll get in trouble, but no, no, no. It's just casual, like you know, stuff. I mean, it's Stolen Warren Awards. I'm not going to put the focus on the actual event itself. More so the award winners. Congratulations to everyone that won. It's been a good season <laughs> of football. Um, and I will uh, divulge details later. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny One that they question. serve Big Macs? There's rumours going around. <laughs> I told you every player who showed up in an Isuzu Ute. Every player who showed up in an Isuzu Ute. That's, that's, that's the most important thing um, at the end of the day. You know, the more Isuzu Utes, the better. I think it was like three at a time. It was like really interesting. But um, hey, look, um, Dolan Warren's man. Good vibes. Neil, one last question for you. Now that you've been on this junket and you've splashed the cash, how much room is left in the Kick360 budget to attract <laughs> your big-name journalists like your Joey Lynch and your Samantha Lewis? Uh, Sam Lewis, um, whatchamacallit, like, I, must, I must say, like, she's done a fantastic job with ABC. Um, she obviously actually put out the article on Dolan Warren. As well. You sound like uh, Josh Frydenberg, Neil. Just answer the question. <laughs> I'm just deflecting, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm just deflecting. Like that's the vibe, man. Like we just, we, we, we just deflecting questions, like everyone in Parliament, like legit. <laughs> um, nah, right. but um, no, nah, it's been great, and I'm looking forward to getting home at 12 a.m. When's your flight? <laughs> My flight's at 8 p.m. tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, look, um, I must say I have to plug. Uh, exclusive interview with Western United chairman Jason Cerisus, um, to, uh, coming out I think tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's going to be fun. We're, we're going to delve into a lot of details. Stadium, Western United, uh, the, the grand final appearance, and what have you. I wish I could show you all the Isuzu Utes here because there's like seven. Um, in fact, the actual Isuzu Ute that you've seen on Twitter is also just rolled up. So um, yeah, look, the, the marketing money's been spent well by APL. Silver Lake money coming in well. Oh, mate, send us some photos. I might be able to get them up on the screen for everyone. But um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. But uh, I might be preoccupied, my friend. <laughs> One or two cruises right. tonight yeah, for Neil. Busy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't divulge into those details, my friend. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, Matt. Um, we'll chat to you soon. No worries, boys. I'll listen to the entire podcast soon. Hope you go over two hours like another podcast. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks, and Neil, uh, Neil, uh, Neil plugged the uh, article, the Western United article coming out tomorrow. I should also plug, I promised to do it, uh, Pat Braschetto's article. He was, of course, in the press box for the A-League All-Stars game. There's no better time to plug the article than when we've got two viewers and we're uh, 67 minutes in. So, Pat, there you go. There's your plug. I, I, I might as well I might as well plug mine as well. Uh, oh, you I've wrote an a, article. I saw that. Yeah, I know. I found. I, I couldn't find the password. Neil would barred me. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find my password for my Kick Three Sixty account. Um, so uh, I found it, and I've done a. I've looked for, back through all the grand finals. Part one has already been out of the worst five 
Uh, in it, you'll find the most recent four and the first ever grand finals, the worst five ever grand finals, um, with West United and Melbourne City. And then this weekend, it will probably be uh, the bottom five in the last five years. Um, but yeah, I think the next two parts will be coming out over the next couple of days. Cool. I reckon it's time to get into some uh, Alec Men's grand final preview action. Jacob and uh, David, uh, you, we've kept you over time, but you guys, you can stay if you want. Do you want to stay? I'm happy to stay. I'll stay. Why not? Cool. No, nothing else on. No 1040 futsal games, nothing like that. So uh, <laughs> let's get into the A-League men's grand final. Tom, uh, are you going to be there? I will be there covering the game live for Kick360. Uh, hashtag spoiler alert. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, it'll be a pretty good experience. I'm hearing that there are, they're actually – expecting a bigger crowd than I think um, many were expecting. So I'm just hoping it's a good spectacle for the league and for Australian football in general. I don't particularly care who wins, but um, if they get over sort of 18, 20 K there, um, I think it'd be pretty awesome. Jacob, who wins and why? Oh, it's so tough. There's so much variables going into it, but at, well, I've swung both ways throughout the whole week, but at the moment, I'm going to have to say, like, West United in extra time. Big shock. Um, it'll, it'll just be a grudge match, I reckon. Um, you know, City, there's so much pressure on City to win this final, especially after their pretty, you know, subpar form, um, especially um, in the lead-up to the final series, losing the Perth out of all teams. Um, and also, you know, Adelaide gave them a real good run who, you know, not – not many would have uh, predicted that, but um, and also West United just look—they've looked, they've looked um, very solid over the over the finals. You know, especially that last game against Victory. You know, hitting them on the um, against the run of play a lot and capitalising off that. I think if City push up too far, West United, especially with you know Priyavich has hit in has hit his you know peak form this season at the at the perfect time heading into the final. Um, and also Jamie Young as well has been unbelievable. I think those two alone will, you know, obviously with the quality of West United with Lacroix and whatnot, but I think they'll, you know, they've got enough quality in there to get over City um, and, you know, City, you know, they're not the not the best um, under pressure. You know, McLaren as well, he's starting to make a name for himself for not showing up in big big occasions. So I think you know, West United, they've got the, got the potential and the quality to do it and I think they will. Uh, score prediction? West United have after extra time, but what's your score? Uh, three, three, two or two, one, three, three, two, three, two. It'll be, there'll be a few goals. David, what do you reckon? Uh, I think City will win. I think when we talk about the, um, you know, the chokers tag for City, I think that was any demons were exercised last year when they finally got over the hump, won their first trophy or the first um, championship rather. Um, I think City just like with if City weren't going to win this grand final, they would have lost last week. Um, getting over Adelaide, I think that was that was their like big game sort of. And I think, in my opinion, the pressure's not really on because yes, everyone expects them to win, but I think having that experience from last year, um, they'll be able to handle it. And just if you look at the team on paper, it's it's a much stronger team than um, West United. Having said that, a um, couple of players, as uh, Jacob mentioned from West United have the potential to sort of carry the game on the backs. And that's um, Jamie Young and Alexander Prijevic. I mean, Prijevic was really good in that second leg against victory. 
if he can, I mean, if he can score twice, it they could be a Western United win because he has the quality to do that again. Um, he's been he's been proving it pretty much all season that he can do it. So I think C will win, but by the same token, I won't be surprised if Jamie Young, Alexander Previch, do a two man show and steal it from City. Uh, score, I'll go two one City. McLaren to get the opener, Previch to get like a 40th minute equalizer. And then Marco Tilio off the bench in the 75th minute to win it. Tom, uh, you haven't been particularly frugal in your labelling of Western United as Fugazi throughout the season, along with another expansion team. But they've made the grand final. And, um, yeah, uh, against all odds, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Look, credit to Western United. Um I still don't think they're the greatest footballing team ever, but they've stuck to their principles and they get results. And I think at this business end of the season, the, the way that they play sort of suits the finals structure as well in terms of it being knockout ties, I think, because they can um, come with a specific match plan for any um, any side and look to uh, sort of exploit other teams' weaknesses, which is something I think they do pretty well. But um, I think at the end of the day, City are the better team, and I know they haven't beaten them all season, but um, City have the better players. They've got more sort of experience having won the, the, the double last season, and I think with all that in mind, my prediction will be uh, City Football Group to win 3-1 against Western United. I think it will be um, – I think it will be quite close, and I think City will score – in the sort of 80th minute or so, and then they'll score a goal at the end of the game to um to really seal it. Oh, another whiteboard. Here we go. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Where's that come from? <laughs> come out of nowhere. Can you read it? Victory. <laughs> Victory Fulgazi. Did it say Fulgazi? Victory bottled it. Oh. <laughs> was that just sitting next to you the whole time? Like, it, was, it was next. It was next to here, <laughs> and I just went, "Oh, I could use that." Uh, <laughs> I was going to say you didn't. You didn't stand up or do anything. It's just it's coming out of nowhere. But um, well, Tom, why why don't you uh just get into a bit of tactics talk because you you're tactics Tom as they call you on the streets as all the fellow Eshes call you tactics Tom. So yeah, tactical analysis. Tactical prediction of this game. How's it going to play out tactically? Um, so I think I, I think both teams will stick to their guns. I don't think we'll see much change in the starting 11s. I think Aloisi will go with the two up top that he's done in the in the in the past couple of games against Victory with Wenzel Halls and Priovic, with um, Priovic looking to drop deep and also provide a target to play long over City's press because City press very high they press with a high line and they're, they're, they're quite aggressive and they decide at specific moments when they're going to play more aggressively as well like we saw against them Adelaide on the weekend so I think they'll look to send long balls quite often to Priovic and back him in the air against Good and um, and Raish because I don't think um, either of those players are capable of beating Priovic 1v1 consistently so I think Western United will back that and I think um Western United will be pretty cautious in their approach like they've been um, all season, really. And they'll um, they'll really sort of back in Lacroix, Imai, Risden um, and Garuccio as that back forward really stands strong with Jamie Young and goal. Where I think the game will be won and lost is whether City can maintain dominance in midfield as, as we saw against Adelaide. They were on the ropes in that first half. City could not get, gain any semblance of control over that game. So I think... 
if Western United sit too deep and allow City to play in their half, sort of create waves of pressure, create opportunities, then I think Western United will find it very difficult. But I think Western United need to find the balance between defending deep resolutely and in their compact block and also creating chances in transition when they have the ball because ultimately if um, if City continue to win the ball back quickly after Western United gain possession, then I think it will be a, um, a very tough night for um, for the, the Western service crew and Western United. So... Um, well, that's that's one of the reasons I think I think City will win. I think they've just got too much as a um, as as a unit. Although I must say I won't be surprised if Western United win. I think it'll be a really good game all round. Lucas, uh, are you going to break Jared Lynch's heart by going for City like David and Tom have? <laughs> no, no, I actually think Western United are going to win. I don't know why. I just have a a, a feeling um, that maybe City just. I don't know. I feel like West United just have a lot more to to play for, I guess. No team has ever won the double two years in a row. Um, So I think that probably plays into it a little bit um, of no team has been able to do that. And I don't think City – I feel like West United, just after that victory game, have this momentum all of a sudden. And I think they're just going to upset the party. I've got a feeling – that it's going to be late. I think there's going to be some late drama. I think maybe City are going to go 1-0 up and West United are going to do a little 2-1 in normal time or maybe uh, in extra time. Um, But, yeah, I think – yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think it's uh, going to be West United's first ever title and John Aloisi will once again shove all of his his critics. Cool. Has anyone else got anything to add on the grand final or anything else, A-League men? Um, Sorry, Lucas, you go. (laughs) Um, I think um, just firstly, it's my my last podcast, so thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks again, Harper. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be great. I hope everyone gets behind this game. The last thing we want to see is empty seats at a grand final. So I just hope anyone that can possibly go goes. It's a bit plastic that we have to beg, uh, that West United have to beg Melbourne Victory fans to come, but it's it's a necessary thing at the moment to try and make sure there's not empty seats at this grand final. So that's all I hope for, that, that it sells out. There have been some free tickets that have been dangled in the Victorian journalist uh, channel in Slack. <laughs> so I might be taking up uh, Neil Simons on that offer. Uh, David, what were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that crowd-wise, I hope we get a good figure. I think 30K sellout is very ambitious. hope it happens. Uh, but I think 20, 18 to 20 is sort of more realistic as that top-tier goal. If that happens, I think it'll be a good result. Obviously, we all we all wanted the Melbourne Derby for the metrics that that would bring. Um, you know, this is a Melbourne Derby of sorts, I guess. Um, but yeah, hopefully, it's a great occasion. And just to you, Harper, and all the boys, thanks for taking me into Kick Three Sixty. It's been an awesome experience. Um, been a great host, Harper. So thanks for that. Oh, thank you, David. Kind words. <laughs> I'm, I'm touched. <laughs> Tears rolling down my cheeks. Jacob, uh, <laughs> what are you going to – have you got anything else to add? Um, not particularly. I just hope this grand – you know, after a few um, disappointing, you know, um, games for the grand final, um, for the, you know, the grand final, um, as Lucas pointed out in his article, 
I think we're due for a real spectacular, you know, occasion. I think, you know, Western United and Western, um, Western, yeah, Western United and Melbourne City, they're two, two of the lesser teams in Victoria. But I think it's, um, it's set up to be, you know, a spectacular having, you know, I think it will really, um, you know, be a fight for who's more likely to take off Victory's mantle in the next, you know, next five, ten years, especially when Western United get their stadium. And as, you know, one of you was saying earlier in the podcast, it will give more of a reason for Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory fans to travel to Western United and give that game more of a, um, more of a purpose. So I think, you know, we're, I think we're just due for a really good final and everyone should should try and tune in and, you know, watch it. And I think we should end on um, Harper's predictions himself. <laughs> oh, mate. Need yours. I was, I was, <laughs> We've done all the house. I was put on to the podcast as an expert panellist on episode one and after my takes, I was never invited again. So it's a bold call to, <laughs> to ask my predictions for the game. But I'm going to go with Melbourne City to win it 2-1 after extra time. Uh, so what's that? that? That gives three of us predicting City and two of you predicting Western United. So should be a close game. Fingers crossed it's a close game, an exciting game, a big crowd, good atmosphere. Uh, Tom, have you got any final comments? Um, that it will be Connor Metcalf's farewell game. So given that he is moving at the end of the season. So I'm hoping for my boy um, to really put in a massive show in his final game uh, for Melbourne City and that he, he um, really continues his legacy on in Europe because obviously the Alex Tobin medal, a winner this season, uh, fresh off the young player of the year last season in Australian football. And I think he's got a, he's got a massive future. And hopefully um, in the press, they'll allow me to vote for the Joe Marston medal so then I can uh, give Conor Metcalf a, um, an extra thing to add to his legacy. <laughs> <laughs> scores an own goal, gets a red card. No, nah, he's still the Joe Marston medal winner. <laughs> puts, puts in a Braddon Hall of Shame performance like last year. Joe Marston medal for you. <laughs> oh, well. Next um, year. <laughs> uh, is this the farewell podcast for me? My hosted version of the podcast, at least for this season. It's the last one before the grand final. Neil's hosting next week. Not sure when the next podcast is going to be after that, but. To all of you guys, to all the listeners, it's been an absolute blast. We've got a little video to play in just a sec, but I might uh, say goodbye to all you guys before we play that. Uh, Jacob, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Pod debut under thank you my reign, at least. It has been brilliant. Thank you for the thank you for the experience, and I hope I get more. You know, more of a um, more of a showing next year. That would be pretty pretty cool. <laughs> well, mate, you were pressed on debut. No, uh, no doubt you're going to receive another call up very, very soon, David. Uh, I think it's the second time that you've been on with me, and just as good as last time. Thank you very much, Matt. Pleasure, Harper. Absolute pleasure. Lucas, uh, you have just been uh, a constant throughout the season. You're like a bad rash. You just do not go away. But thank you very much for being with us for the whole season. It's been good. Thanks, mate. Can't write articles on Kick360 because uh, can't find the password, but it's been a pleasure being part of KickCast. We'll be back again next year, I'm sure. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And, Tom, you've been absolutely awesome all throughout this season. You might be on next week with Neil. We don't know. But uh, for me, at least, it's been good to have you on all uh, lots of my panels. So thanks, Matt. Cheers, Harper. And and I, I will just add here, in all seriousness, and I, I know we, we like to have a bit of fun on the KickCast, but a lot of your work does go unnoticed, Harper. Um, and for everyone that doesn't 
see that. Harper does a lot of work behind the scenes trying to coordinate this whole podcast and he puts a lot of time and effort into it into it. So massive kudos to you, mate. You've um you've done a fantastic job and you're a really good host of this podcast. Oh, I appreciate it, mate. But uh, I've got to say, I haven't done too much preparation for this particular podcast other than this video that we have been dangling <laughs> throughout <laughs> this particular episode and live stream. It is an absolute cracker. Uh, I think I've hosted maybe 10-ish podcasts this season, so I've had a little flick through all of them. Had a look at some of the best moments, the highlights, the funny moments, the great moments, the moments that we'll never, ever forget. Uh, lots of panellists can be seen in this video. They're all they're all in here. It's an absolute cracker. So, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. To you four, uh, thank you for coming on. To all the panellists who have been on the show throughout the season, thank you so much. And here is this famous, famous video. If there was a player playing for Spurs in the Premier League and got a couple minutes off the bench and scored, we would be wanking ourselves silly. <laughs> Everyone. I've enjoyed that, that sign in the background. Stop, enjoy your life. Love a bit of optimism here on the KitCast, so thanks for coming on, Matt. Tom, do you want to give some credit to MacArthur? No, I don't, because I'm taking... <laughs> thanks for coming on, mate. Which superhero would you like to be? I'm very afraid of getting my DC and Marvel universes mixed up, but I'm probably the oldest and fattest on the panel, so I'll probably go with the Hulk. Lucas and I turned into the 21st century versions of Lennon and McCartney today. Johan Cruyff would be smiling in his grave watching that Newcastle performance. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next week. I'll probably catch you in a fortnight when I'm next on and to all our Gosford listeners, if the cum dog's on the prowl, look out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, the Italian beats bar in Lidcombe is awful. Not really Italian. Well, that's what they claim yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, my nonna spat on it from up above. <laughs> <laughs> We're all thinking it would be cool to come up with a good song or chant for the whole terrace to get around up there in Sydney. Seeing we've got Simon on, I've decided I'll pull out the guitar. <laughs> and we're, we're, going all, we're, we're going all out. We're Sheila Wogs and Poofters. Call us the Socceroo. Let's just say I spent about three seconds thinking about this before I um, I, I joined this, this podcast. While you were doing Japan analysis, I was looking up rhymes for Fauna Roll. There's something that we all want you to know. He's the best in the world and his name is Bruno. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, first up, that mine isn't going to be sung live. I've recorded it. I've added some little effects in there to make oh. it sound even, <laughs> even fancier. We've been shit since 2015. No coach <laughs> has changed that. But if Graham leads us to win, I'm gonna crack a fast. Are we ever gonna see Aren't I Milicic is actually like the biggest Fugazi manager in the league. I'm, I'm sorry, like, he's just like... If you dangle a carrot in front of these two oh. sides, and um, it's probably Melbourne Victory who will uh, respond to the dangling. Double dangle from party. I, I, I know I use the word je ne sais quoi quite a lot, but it actually is... <laughs> it, 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 it actually you know is... what it means, Tom? 
Tu vois ce que Absolument. Je parle bien français, Stan. Très bien. Très bien. Yeah, Arthur, as he's walking through, clearly the. At Lidcombe Station on the way to to the pub before uh, before the game last the night. The Royal Oak was 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 frisked and targeted as a proprietor. How, I don't know how to say that word. I'm not the lyrical gangster himself. A, a, Tom a, a proprietor of illicit substances. Yes, he was. Yeah. We will say notorious. Falsely, falsely accused, but uh, yeah. apparently, we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> We're moving to Cyprus. And then MacArthur. <laughs> Give it up by KC and the Sunshine Band and Thomas Christensen. In the first edition of this podcast, before you absolutely butchered the recording of it, you had a real good quip for me in the intro. Too bad for that, mate. That's all gone. You can't, you can't, you can't get me twice. No, thank you, Megan. So I spoke too much and had to take his hair out, and um, Tom's lost another button on his shirt. There you go. Thank you very much for tuning in this season, guys. It's been an absolute blast. We'll see you. Neil, we'll see you next week. I'll see you next season. Bye.